Hi there, it's me, Nova, here with an all-new podcast where I talk about college, life after high school in general, and all sorts of personal thoughts that flicker through my mind. Just sit down, do some homework, relax with a cup of tea and chips and chocolate, or stare up at the ceiling while we contemplate shit together. Here's some fish to fry, the podcast. Okay, so we've all been there, and I'm just gonna say it. I think that infatuation sucks, especially with someone like the guy I think I may have feelings for. I say think because it could honestly be the idea of him that gets me high rather than the actual person he really is. But I won't figure that out because one, I'm not sure if I'm brave enough to, and two, not like he'd give me the chance to find out anyways. We haven't met up since high school with different colleges now and such, but we've chatted via text, I guess. So there's that whole, you know, questioning of do I still think about him because of the person he was I met then or do I still think of him as a better sort of someone else, an idealized guy or some shit. Because I'm sure the idea of a person is perfected and very unrealistically appealing. I know he's flawed and so I fear the idea of liking him might not be the case here. I really enjoy talking to him though, and so I won't really complain too much on the confusion or uncertainties of sorts I may experience trying to figure him out. The other day he told me that he's finally interested in looking into dating again, um, you know, wanting to get to know some pretty girls on his campus. I wish him the best of luck, though I wish I could be a candidate if I'm honest, but given the chance I'm sure I'd fuck it all up and ruin a good friendship anyways. I'd like to be pissed about how not only him, but humans typically in general get attracted to someone that's easy and kind to the eyes. In other words, pretty, handsome, and everything in between with an aesthetic emphasis. I'm kind of guilty when it comes to that, if I'm being honest. Stunned by those pretty eyes, genuine smile here and there when I could catch it. And then getting to know him, of course, made it even far more attractive. Does anybody else feel that a physical attractiveness of a person is either accentuated or deteriorated by getting to know them. I mean, if you're beautiful bodied, I think it's even more so pretty if you're wonderful as a person, flaws and all, with a certain sense of morality I could personally tolerate. However, if you're too shitty of a person, by all means, I find that all your beauty and physicality vanishes entirely. Pretty smile can start looking superficial, a shine in the eyes look duller, lackluster, and it just doesn't seem like you're someone I want to spend time with, personally. To clarify, whenever I think someone's unworthy of my time, it's not as a means of saying they're unworthy as a person. It's just, they're not really compatible to me, be it romantically or platonically. And so I'd let them know straight on, perhaps a bit too bluntly, and well, I guess that made me an asshole. I remember back in high school, I've had a few different people tell me that. A girl once told me, you know, you're an asshole but at least you're honest about it. I'm not exactly sure how to feel about that. Because it doesn't make me a better person, I think. Or maybe it does, considering the aspect of good old high schoolers' indecency of lies, rumors, all that jazz. So maybe I get somewhat of a pat on the back there. Still though, being an asshole is something I hope I've somewhat changed by now, now that I'm in college. My very first college semester is almost over for me, and... I've been reflecting a lot on it. I haven't ran into shitty friendships at all, and so I think I've done better with judgment in navigating the social game this time around. Shits from high school and shit from my past self was a lot to learn from, 
and those are long stories of their own that I might tell you one day. Haven't been in a relationship for a while, romantically or as a friends with benefits sort of deal. Honestly, it doesn't bother me crazy or anything, and I know I'm fine on my own. Though simultaneously, I'd like to find a guy or gal to bond over romantically with all its associated benefits. I mean, I'm saying all this as something I'd like to find eventually. Maybe not exactly right now. I'm not sure. I guess finding the right person just hasn't happened yet. If I'm being honest, I've been in a relationship and such before, but I've never been in love. Looking back, I think I was just bored. Bad on my part, I'll admit, though I don't feel too horribly. The asshole dumped me over the phone, got with someone else two minutes later, and then found another person, and the two stalked me throughout my last year or two of high school. I had to get a temporary social contract on the creepy bastards. Another long story, but yeah. So, as I was saying, I've been better, socially, once I left high school. The social atmosphere, for me personally, has changed. It feels like I've met more people with a level of maturity I could stand by. It's kind of high school round two to most people. But I think I only feel that way really when I consider the class and coursework. In classes I've taken so far, it seems relatively familiar. I thought once I left high school, I wouldn't understand college courses. I thought tests would be written in some sort of code or dead language I couldn't decipher. But in all honesty, it's pretty much what I've done back in high school. It's not all what teachers have made it out to be. Further elaborating, it's kind of bullshit to be told we're preparing you for college back in high school. Same for middle schoolers told that about high school, and yeah, you get the gist. Because from my experience, things aren't always what we planned or make them out to be, which you could consider with something as broad as the pandemic going on. But what I'm getting at is that times are always changing. The only consistency in being alive is just the constancy of pure fluctuations. I realized this recently while taking my condensed literature course. From what I understand, the five paragraph essay structure is bullshit you're ingrained to apply over and over since what? Middle school maybe? But college is so different. High school has told me and those around me that writing ideas and all is so confined and restricted in the process which really isn't true at all in a college setting. In college, the essays actually throw you into a new fucking plane of surprise. You're not going to need to regurgitate information like high school has taught you. If anything, it's highly discouraged. My best friend goes to a college with an anthropology course that would take away points even if you choose to directly quote a source. What stands out to me the most about college essay writing is the semi-formality, the expression of personal opinions formulated with given information, an explanation of personal experience pertaining to given topics. College essays, I feel, are vastly different to what high school tells you they'd be. College essays don't want regurgitation, they want evaluation. They want to see you formulate ideas supported by research and not present them with simply matter-of-fact pain in the ass verbatim. When I first learned all of this, I was in shock, honestly. I look back and I think, man, did my opinions really matter growing up if I couldn't really express them that much? I mean, sure, there's argumentative essays, but, you know, they're giving you the prompt already and you have to choose a side rather than in college, 
you could possibly have prompts that tell you a topic, sure, but you get to choose exactly your take on, you know, what you're given. And I feel like, in a way, it's more respected to the writer, you know? I feel like I wasn't given that freedom back then. And that's kind of unfair that we don't get to exercise our voices as much as we should have writing uh, back throughout middle school and high school and, you know, even some of elementary school. I mean, sure, elementary school, I think, you know, they allow some creative writing, but I'm talking about essays and structures and everything we've been taught pertaining to that. It kind of sucks looking back, but I think, you know, it maybe they did it as a means of prepping us for an idea of what to start with, like a basis, I guess you could say. Like, here's the five-paragraph structure. This is what you could do. However, they never told us it's something that you could do. It's more of you had to stick to it. It's something that we were told was obligatory and that if we strayed from it at all, we would fail to express ideas that are comprehensible and good, you know? I mean, beyond writing, you know, I think another thing about changing from middle school to high school into college is just the way you're treated by professors. And yes, they're called professors and not just teachers. It's kind of a fun adjustment, like, ooh, you know, new label. But I think I was really surprised when I first asked if I could use the bathroom. And I got a strange look from a professor. And then they realized that it was a course for freshmen. And they're like, ah, yeah, you no, you don't need to ask us. And I'm like, huh? And, yeah, apparently, it, you don't need to interrupt the class by raising your hand and asking if you could use the bathroom. And that's so weird. You know, there's not even a sign-out sheet. There's no bathroom pass. You just go? That's weird. <laughs> like, wow, I'm allowed to do whatever I need to for my, you know, personal needs. Like, just physical needs and then yeah not the entire class has to know about it or the teacher doesn't have to be so you know uptight about whether I leave the room or not that's really nice so veering back into the topic on my whole social game or lack thereof and kind of a shitty past from high school not everybody sucks is something that I learned um, and surprisingly I learned that back in high school um, I've met some pretty cool teachers but I've also met some really cool friends that I didn't expect to make at all um, in the sense that I didn't expect them to be so genuine and you know they actually care about me <laughs> Not meaning to sound pessimistic or anything, trust me. 
if anything, finding a best friend in high school was the last thing I thought would be possible for me, or, you know, in general. I feel like the whole idea of this friendship with someone so close is always fabricated and false because of how the media portrays it. But I realized best friendship is really defined, or any relationship is defined by every individual. Everybody has different ways of expressing themselves and loving somebody, be it platonically or romantically. And, you know, I think that's super cool that I got to find someone. I, I'm going to call him Birdie in this podcast for the sake of his privacy. And I think I started hanging out with him back in sophomore year, you know, and it's, it's wild because now we're still, you know, we meet up with each other every now and then we go to different colleges. His campus is like out of town an hour away. But whenever I do get to see him, I always think, man, (laughs) it's been years and this weirdo has still stuck around me. We're like siblings at this point. And, you know, it's it's tons of fun. We always get to just goof off and insult each other and talk about boys or, you know, he's just, he's literally the best. He's like a big brother to me, the way he's always looked out for me. Something that I learned specifically from this friendship I have with him, by the way, is, you know, back to the whole thing about media and fabrication of best friendship. The reason why I felt like it was so unattainable is because of how poorly the media can portray best friendship or just friendship in general, you know? I think that the way the media portrays it is the whole glorified, you know, having each other's back constantly and always being able to be there for one another and always, you know, just being on good terms, never fighting, never having a fight at all. But that's definitely not true. And I think a lot of immaturity from middle schoolers and high schoolers, you know, just growing up from kid to teenager came from that expectation of, If it's not perfect, it wasn't meant to happen, you know? That's so fucked. It's just, it's wrong. I believe, from my experience, that best friendship comes from having fights, like, sometimes, but being able to talk it out and bounce back stronger from it, you know, and not make that mistake over and over again. I learned that with Birdie. First fight we've ever had, I was shocked when he came back to talk to me after giving me time to recover emotionally. And the way he was just so patient about it and understanding, coming up to me in the hallways and just saying, hey, are you ready to talk? And I just turned to him and I'm like, ready to talk? Like, what the hell? Who even does that nowadays? Because from my experience with others they always just bailed you know one fuck up and that's it you're out like you're not even a human being it's like oh well there goes your shot it's so weird and when I realized that there are actual genuine people out there looking for a real relationship be it romantically or platonically or whatever That was like the coolest thing to discover for me. 
So yeah, I'm not saying that a good friendship means that you fight all the time but still talk to each other. I'm saying that a good friendship can have fights, but you're able to develop and cultivate the friendship further because of those fights. And you guys lean on each other to grow as people. I That's what I really believe. Another thing that I'd like to say is that the whole trope in movies or books or whatever, this is seen in both romantic and platonic relationships, is that the whole I can't live without you sort of deal or I think I would just die without you by my side is just, I feel is so unhealthy. My gosh. Because with me and Birdie, it's never like that. Every time he lets me depend on him, it was only to push me towards being independent. For me, I couldn't understand how to express myself and cry when gosh I didn't have anybody to really cry to but he lent me his shoulders when I needed them to just lean on like fuck I you know I think that that was really cool and then you know giving me the time to talk to my therapist and figure out my own coping mechanisms including writing and all sorts of various like running around and dancing in that in the room or you know whatever just it was really cool and I'm so thankful for that you know funny thing about all of this is I don't think Birdie realizes the impact he's made on me and honestly I've I like I said I write I write a ton of entries in my phone and I could ramble on and on about all my internal thoughts and, you know, everything I've ever felt about people, about experiences and events. And hell, I might read out some of them on some podcast episodes uh, eventually. But really, I, I've written short stories and ideas and just feelings pertaining to this friendship with Birdie. And I... I don't think he realizes <laughs> how much of an impact he's really made on me. And that's wild. And I say this because, you know, two visits ago, uh, in his dorm room, he turned to me and said that he has this irrational fear of being replaced. First of all, you know, I, he, he knows it's rational. We both know it's irrational, but it's an understandable, normal thought, by the way. Um, the idea of somebody you really love and care about replacing you with somebody else. And in all honesty, it's just not possible to replace a person. I don't think so. Because, sure, he's my best friend. I could easily, well, not easily, but... I could, you know, potentially find another best friend, but it wouldn't be the same. It could never be the same. What you have with one person will never be the same with somebody else. And my friendship with him and him as a person overall, 
that's those two things the friendship and the person that I'm friends with I think those are the last things that could be replaced ever when it comes to him like I I can't I can't fathom you know replacing anybody but especially him he'd be the last that I would consider replaceable if it's even possible to ever replace someone the thing that really sucks about having someone you really care about is when time changes things and they end up moving out of town and you can't see each other as much as you used to. It hurts. It hurts like hell. And I know it's a fear that a lot of people have when they leave high school. Like, leaving the whole, you know, just leaving friends behind that you were used to having around. That hurts. It, it's scary. I'll admit, it, it is scary. And I'm still experiencing it. Um... I mean, not necessarily losing friends, but losing this closeness to my friends. Be it in proximity physically or, you know, just just being close emotionally. And I don't think I've reached a point where I've lost emotional or, you know, fun connections with the friends I really care about right now. I think... It just really hurts to not be around them physically as much as I used to. I honestly have spent like hours and hours over time crying. God, not hours all in one day, but you know, an hour here and there, like every now and then just crying and missing my best friend. So you can see why it's really ironic that he'd fear being replaced. Um, cause Gosh, I miss him so much. More than I'd like to admit. I, there's, I just, I really miss him. And, you know, it, it's weird. I wish that was more normalized. That it's okay to cry and have emotions. If you feel so passionately and, you know, intensely about someone at all. Just let yourself cry it out if you miss them. It's okay. And... Yes, it could be platonic. Something that I really dislike is when people, like numerous like people, I'm saying like either a friend here and there or even my own mother has told me like, do you think you're in love with your best friend? That's not the case. Trust me. He's, I literally see him as like a brother and he sees me as a little sister. We've talked about this over and over. It's just... I, I love him like a little sister. I'm like a little sister to him. And he's like, you know, it's just a sibling thing. And gosh, I wish that was more normalized. The whole like, oh, you must be so in love with this person that you can't, you know, focus right now. You, you, you cry and you miss them. And it's like, why can't I miss my best friend? Why can't I miss a friend, period? Why do I have to cry and, you know, be so upset over somebody and they have to, supposedly they have to be a romantic, you know, person to me? Because that's not true. I've missed, I think I've missed, like, friendships more than, you know, being in love or, you know, if I've ever been in love. Like, I've missed that more than 
I've missed, you know, I've just, gosh, <laughs> I can't get my words out right now. But yeah, I, I genuinely, like, I don't think I get upset by rejection with romantic infatuation or sexual attraction. I am more emotionally driven by my platonic friendships. If anything, like, I, and I know this differs upon many people, but I feel like breakups in a friendship hurt way more than breakups in a romantic relationship. Because, you know, it's just, it's a special, it's a different kind of bond. But yes, I can, I can also see uh, how some people might feel that romantic relationships feel more painful to lose. Though, I hope we can all agree that I don't think one is more significant than the other. You know, I I don't like the term more than friends. I never really liked it, if I'm honest. I think that, you know, the whole idea of calling a romantic relationship more than friends, it, it kind of, it puts down friendship in a way. Putting down platonic relationships in saying that they're less than romantic, it's just, why? Why would you do that? I think friendships are so valuable. Good, genuine, real friendships. My gosh, those are so hard to come by nowadays. There's so much superficial shit in the media, be it Instagram or, you know, whatever, whatever apps, whatever social media platforms you're on. You, you know what I'm talking about. There's so much out there that people are hiding and, you know, we all just want to be loved, I think. Or we all just want to be, it's either be loved or be feared or just having power in some sort of way emotionally towards others. And I feel like it's so hard to pick out the people in the crowd who aren't exactly like that. People who, sure, want some form of emotional power but it comes from themselves and not from you know emotionally manipulating somebody else and having this weird sort of uh, superiority complex when it comes to followers and views and you know I don't know <laughs> yeah so a fun event that recently happened in my state was the Shaky Knees 2021 music festival and I, of course, went with Birdie. You know, funny thing is, when we first hung out, Birdie and I, um, it was in my sophomore year, well, our sophomore year of uh, high school, and it was in Latin class when I first decided to ask him, hey, do you want to hang out? And typically, you would ask someone, you know, in a new friendship, to go someplace casual, go to, like, maybe a park or the mall or a local cafe but I just straight up asked him hey I don't really know anybody who wants to go to the Tessa Violet concert coming up would you be down to go with me and strangely enough this weirdo just said yeah sure and we've never we've never talked before then by the way I've seen him around since middle school because in orchestra in middle school I was such an obnoxious violin player but he was like the cool cellist with um these rainbow crocheted fingerless gloves that I was so envious and petty about as a middle schooler 
and that's why I didn't talk to him beforehand, not going to lie. But obviously things change, and sophomore year, I ended up going, hey, you seem cool, you like music, I like music, let's go for it. And yeah, so attending Shaky Knees 2021, you know, this year is, it was wild for both of us, because it was kind of a whole uh, realization of, man, we're still concert buddies. And in fact, we actually, within the span of 12 hours, we fucking like stacked up points and like list on the whole concert thing. Like we went to what, seven maybe different concerts within one day. That was wild. Like we've seen the Aubreys, the Backseat Lovers, um, Modest Mouse, Phoebe Bridges, or yeah, and like the strokes even like oh my gosh it just it kept going on and like there was just so much fun shit going on there like minus the you know typical smell of weed that some people snuck in oh that's funny by the way um so they check your bags right when you pay to go in like pre like prior to even showing up to the event you you know you get information on what to do and not to do uh you can bring certain bags and you know, you can't have weapons, like, even for self-defense or whatever, and so I was just thinking, man, how do people exactly sneak in the gross drugs? I'm not gonna judge anybody who does drugs, by the way. I'm just saying I can't personally handle the smell of certain ones, like weed and stuff. I, I just don't like the smell, but <laughs> literally, we were at um, the little entrance to, you know, get checked and, you know, everything and some girl um who went in before us in the line she you know they checked her body and everything she didn't have anything on her she didn't have a bag on her and she just went in through but then she ran alongside the fence near the entrance and somebody tossed the bag of what i think is probably marijuana and other uh goodies that lots of people you know um like to have over the fence yeah they tossed a bag of drugs I think over the fence and she just ran with it and I was like holy shit so that's how people have done it probably I'm guessing I mean I'm sure there's there's other weird ways people hide stuff I'm sure but like gosh that that was kind of funny like literally Birdie and I shared a look and we're like oh oh gosh (laughs) she really just she really just snuck something over the fence that's that's kind of funny um not not saying not saying I um approve, not saying that I you know, am encouraging any illegal stuff. Don't do illegal stuff, people. Not just like kids, like teens, kids, adults. Just don't do illegal stuff. I mean, if you can like help it. I I know some people have tendencies, but you know what I mean. Like it's just it's better for you and like it's less stressful, I think. <laughs> Instead of having to do the whole sneak about sort of deal. Anyways, on to talking about shaky knees. My gosh. Okay, so in all honesty, I've listened to certain songs of some of the people playing there, but I didn't, you know, realize, you know, how fucking sick and cool and awesome, like, all these people were who were performing. And, like, oh my gosh. Like, one moment, I'm, like, sobbing my eyes out to Phoebe Bridgers, 
next thing I know, I'm, like, jumping up and down, like, just wanting to go into the mosh pit for the strokes. It's insane. And thing is, I've, I've heard of uh, Phoebe Bridgers and some of her stuff, but I didn't realize, you know, like, I, I knew her voice was so soft and pretty, but in person, my gosh, I did not realize that she could get so emotional. Like, not necessarily her breaking down or anything, but, gosh, people in the crowd, including me, we fucking sobbed their eyes out. Like, oh my gosh, her voice, something about how soft it is and how genuine her delivery on the lyrics are and, you know, just the instrumental swelling alongside her vocals was so impactful. I I don't think I've ever cried before during a musical performance like it, and one in person mind you like it it was just oh my gosh this woman is powerful i've never it like i've never ever cried like that before for any sort of musical performance and you bet your ass i definitely added more of her stuff on my spotify after that i gosh like i just you know i couldn't fathom <laughs> all of that like I remember Birdie turning to me uh at some point during one of her songs and he just sees a tear roll down my eye in the dark um you know of the whole like scenery and like the you know the bright lights from the stage and he just sees the tear glistening down my face it's just it's so funny like he's like oh my gosh you're such a bitch I'm like shut up but like damn it was it was funny like like it was so good and I know for a fact that other people cried because I've seen some people wipe tears. And heck, even at this really cool booth of artwork um, by this uh, Tennessee graphic designer, there was this one girl who was rocking this dark lipstick. And I had to tell her, of course, right? Because, gosh, it was fucking awesome. And then she, she, of course, you know, was like, oh my gosh, thank you. And then she motions up to her eyes and she's like, yeah, if you're wondering why my makeup's really smudgy around the eyes, you can thank Phoebe Bridgers. And I'm like, <laughs> I was just like, wow. You know, and she's like, yeah, I blame this on her. And I'm like, you know what? Understandable. And she's like, gosh, I, I couldn't stop crying. Like, that's so cool. Imagine, you know, not only artists like Phoebe Bridgers and then, you know, the strokes being so energetic. And then even the graphic designer with his cool booth. By the way, I bought some of, you know, his stuff because... I love supporting artists, and I love, like, his artwork. He had some really sick posters, and um, I think I got the last bandana from his booth, and, you know, he had all these fun sticker packs, and it, it was just awesome. I, I wish that I could possibly be somebody someday, like that graphic designer with this crazy cool booth to Phoebe Bridger's getting a whole crowd emotional to the strokes sending fucking like hardcore vibrations from like literally the stage from the ground and feeling it all the way up through your body and to your head and your heart and your like entire soul and being I hope that I could do that for somebody someday um I just I don't know anything that I could create 
I would love to be somebody who touches someone else out there like that. That would be so cool. And, you know, being in that festival made me just, I wanted to live even more. I wanted to be more passionate, more fierce, more ferociously, like, invested in everything that I enjoy doing, be it writing, like, creatively, or journal entries, or, like, living in a moment, like, enjoying the fucking afternoon lighting to the golden hour at seven o'clock, or, you know, like, just munching down on a good Starbucks sandwich, or sipping pumpkin spice, like, I, I want to look at friends and see how their eyes wrinkle when they smile, and, you know, I, I want to hear the way they laugh, and, like, just the different rhythms and pitches of different laughters and I I want to experience so much more and hopefully one day give back to somebody else because that is the coolest fucking shit ever you know the thing about creating um just creative productivity in general is something that I've always been trying to pinpoint in different aspects like how exactly do you reach someone out there and something that the guy I may or may not still be infatuated by has told me is that you gotta really create for yourself first before you can reach somebody else out there and I thought about it and I feel like my most successful artworks that I've entered in competitions and gotten somewhere with them and you know even, like, a writing piece I turned in, uh, you know, senior year, and, you know, other stuff as well, I feel like they've all done really well in comparison to the ones that haven't done really well of mine. I feel that they are successful because I was honest with myself. A story I turned in during my senior year of high school was about my experience at a mental hospital a few years prior and talking about people I've seen suffering and the emotions there and everything and just being upfront, telling it as it is and, you know, really writing it more for myself than for the actual competition and writing it more for myself before judges and anybody else. You can't lose when you really do something for yourself. I don't think, like, when, you know, in terms of creating. I think that if you could really write something for you or create something in general in any sort of way for you, that's when people start to find themselves in your work. Because, believe it or not, people can really relate to truth that you find in yourself that's very human and very, you know, vulnerable. I think that anything that I've really enjoyed from somebody else, they've had to have been honest with themselves. They had to have belief in what they do, that they could possibly reach someone else out there, sure, but, like, belief in themselves that this is how I feel, this is what I want to convey in this moment, this is what I'm thinking, this is what I want, you know? And I haven't really
thought about it too much until lately at that festival and then talking with the guy I may or may not like still and you know he creates music by the way and you know I told him that his songs have actually helped me whenever I'm upset just listening to them makes me forget why I was ever you know arguing with my mom about something or you know I was just trying to blow off steam on by taking a walk and just you know his cool riffs and instrumental and lyrics I genuinely really liked even if he might not be the great vocalist um the greatest vocalist in the world I mean I still think that it's really cool and um yeah I just I realized he was talking from his own experience that he feels writing for himself really helped him uh you know just put something out there in general and yeah so I think it's about time that I wrap up episode one of fish to fry the podcast thank you so much for listening I decided to start this whole deal because well of everything I mentioned in this episode um just wanting to talk about how life could be after high school and you know my experiences with romance or lack thereof and infatuation and ideas about friendships and you know just being creative creativity in general I'd love to explore it more and this podcast could potentially be an outlet to express everything I'm thinking and you know just talk about whatever and yeah exploring that creativity in fact by just sharing ideas with you so I hope that whatever time it is for you morning afternoon night I hope you're having a wonderful time and maybe I'll see you again soon